Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. I'm Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 14 and we're reviewing Tower of God. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout the episode, so you've been warned. So Tower of God, there was a lot of hype around this show. Mm-hmm. Because as I understand it, it started as a webcomic on web webtoons, maybe? Yeah. Um, and it's one of the few, one of the first major ones to be made into an anime, which is pretty exciting for the anime industry in general, because now they're tapping into a whole new, you know, set of source material um, to develop some really cool anime versus always taking it from an existing manga. Um, but I didn't know much about the show going into it, other than there was a lot of hype. And I would say it's it's an interesting show, for sure. Yeah, I know we have a friend who had read, or it's called like Manwa, which is like South Korean version of manga. Mm-hmm. Or manga, sorry. Manga! <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, again, that was the extent that I knew about the the series and i imagine that this is a show that's going to set a precedent for like you said a lot of other source material outside of just tr- traditional like japanese manga or um stories like japanese stories um especially with crunchyroll as the platform i imagine that it's gonna kind of look for other originals like tower of god um and for me like i thought the the, the story was was okay um, it had a lot of intrigue towards the later half of this first season, um, but I, again, I think this is a, as a good stepping point for uh, shows that want to go into that other direction of like non-Japanese uh, manga stories. Yeah, like you said, it was a good show. N- granted, I'm I'm speaking as if it's over. Obviously, there's there's much more to come, um, but it's not a great show. It's not a great start to the show. And one of the things that our friends, um, you know, who watch a lot of anime and, and we always talk about is like, does the show pick up? That's one of the first questions. Like, hey, mm-hmm. you should watch this show. Um, and then we always, you know, caveat that by saying, but it doesn't pick up until like episode three. So make it through to episode three. Or like with, with JoJo, for example, like season one is part one and part two. And I always tell people part one is important to the story. But the show's not going to pick up until you get to episode 10 when part two starts. Like, just make it through, and then it picks up. Or Attack on Titan, the episode where Eren gets eaten by the Titan. Like, the show doesn't, like, pick up until that point, and you're like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. This show, it didn't pick up for me until probably the last three episodes of the season. So I think that's a very interesting thing. Like, there's a lot of groundwork they're laying out in a very subtle way because they don't want to just give you everything right away. They don't want to spoon feed it to you. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But I'm like, man, when is... like? Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. But every episode I was like, okay, when is it going to pick up? When is it going to hook me and keep me interested? Because I could take it or leave it at this point. And I don't know if like... Because I was reading about this more on like Wikipedia. The, um, the story was written by someone... SIU, which I'm not familiar who that is. Um, and I, I'm not familiar with Webtoon as a platform in itself. I, I imagine it's probably a lot of like user-generated stories. I think so, yeah. Um, so maybe Which is great, by the way. I think yeah. that's fantastic that more, uh, less like mainstream 
you know, individuals or groups or whatever can have an opportunity to basically blossom into a full-fledged anime through this type of, you know, webtoon to, to anime uh, route or whatever. Yeah. And I guess the point that I was trying to, to make is that not knowing whether or not this SIU person um, is um, like a seasoned writer or if it's just like a when he created the series that he or she created the series that it was um, like one of their first forays into like manga writing. But maybe that's part of the reason why like the story doesn't start off so strongly and it just has a lot of exposition until it makes that huge turn in those last couple episodes, like you mentioned. Um, but yeah, even though it started off a lot slower than I thought, like a, a lot of other animes that we've watched have started. Um, the most recent one for me being Gurren Lagann, like it took me a while to warm up to that. Uh, I think at that turning point, it's still compelling enough where like I'm eager to see what's going to happen the next season, which I don't imagine will come out for a couple month or for a year or so but. yeah the ending that i got hooked at the end for sure like now mm -hmm. i'm interested now i'm invested i'm like i want to see what happens next but i didn't have that feeling again until like the third to last episode um which we'll get to but i think that i'm hopeful that from this point out it'll be that same kind of energy that we experienced at the last part of the show um because while it's a political drama of sorts you know there's a lot it's very like game of thrones asking the sense that there's a lot going on you don't know who to trust you don't know what their true motives are the only person that you can really read at this point is bam mm -hmm. um and even then like there's kind of a turning point for him at the end too where it's like okay where's he gonna go now with this we, we don't really know um so i i think that's intriguing but the the tough part was with the show that i First of all, didn't know any characters enough to care about them in the mm -hmm. beginning. So I'm like, okay, like this is a little confusing. Um, it was a combination of like not caring enough about the characters because I didn't know any of them yet, but then also like needing to understand their their motivations. When again, like I didn't care enough to like really try to like soak that in. So I'm like, right. I kind of get what they're going for. Like each of these characters, I kind of get like what their motivations might be, but I'm still kind of confused and I'm, I don't feel fully invested to want to fully understand what's going on and again that was up until that last part of the show um but let, let's dive into it let, let's talk through each of the episodes because i think um there's a lot that goes on and there there's certainly a lot of highlights um with each of these these tests that the the participants what are they called again um regulars oh yeah that the regulars <laughs> go through <laughs> um so i think that yeah let's let's dive into it and let, let's talk through each of these okay so starting with the synopsis Tower of God is a 2020 Japanese anime adaptation of the South Korean web manhwa written and illustrated by SIU, produced by Telecom Animation Film, and licensed by Crunchyroll for its streaming service. Tower of God centers around a boy named Bam, who has spent most of his life trapped beneath a vast and mysterious tower, with only his close friend, Rachel, to keep him company. When Rachel enters the tower, Bam manages to open the door and is faced with a series of tests that he takes in order to see Rachel again. In episode one, Ball, Rachel implores Bam to forget about her as he, she begins her journey to climb the Tower of God, but finds himself at the first floor of the tower with its deformed raving rabbit caretaker head-on. Bam passes the tower's first test, breaking a ball behind a giant steel-covered eel using a powerful sword known as Black March, given to him by a girl named Yuri who just happens to show up. 
Bam gets transported to the second floor, and Yuri, revealed to be a princess of Jihad, goes after him to retrieve the sword. In episode 2, 3 out of 400, Bam is immediately thrown into the second test, a 400-person battle royale to whittle the count down to 200. He recalls being an amnesiac until Rachel came and took care of his naive, stupid ass. Bam encounters two other contestants, Kuhn and Rack, who agreed to form an alliance with him, believing he has unique strength. On the mothership after the battle, test administrator, a ranker who has climbed the tower before, challenges the survivors to pass through his Shinsu barrier, begging the question of which is better, Shinsu or Hamon. Bam passes through first, and Little Overhaul warns him not to get too close to Kuhn, who is recognized by a mysterious blonde figure. So this episode was interesting because... Um, first of all, we had like a Hunger Games situation going on in the mm. beginning. Um, and I think Rock is just like a really funny character. He was like the comedic humor that we needed at this point, like so early yeah. on in the show. Like and he's just great throughout. He just calls everyone turtles. Yeah. And of course, it's All Might's voice actor mm-hmm. alongside Bakugo's voice actor as Kuhn. So, you know, that just makes it so much better. And then Leroro is Overhaul's voice actor. Yeah. So a lot of... But my favorite part, the highlight of the episode, was honestly when they revealed that Chisaki's character was Leroro, I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, our mind immediately goes to. So, yeah, that was that was my favorite part. I just had to call that out because we're going to keep calling him Leroro just because. Why not? Yeah. So, going on to episode three, the corrected door. As they prep for the third test, Kuhn tells Bam that the sky is just a Shinsu imitation because the sky itself is an urban legend. The third test administrator, Han Sung Yu, challenges the trio to open the right door out of 12 doors within 10 minutes on their first attempt. We learn more about how Kuhn's half-sister betrayed him to try and become a princess of Jihad. And we also learn that this third test is just a huge dad joke as Rack simply opens a random door, since the instructions were deliberately not specific. The overhaul administers a voluntary bonus test of capture the flag, except with a crown, and whoever passes the test is automatically permitted to climb the tower. During the test, Bomb feels Black March acting strangely as a mysterious girl who most likely actually know we're probably certain is Rachel arrives. So was this the it test or was that a test that came later? That was a test that came later. This was okay. the crown game. This one was this one was um this was good. Um I think it forced everybody to work in teams when they they really hadn't had a chance to do that mm-hmm. um and i like so the the door test that came right before this i really like that because it's clear that kuhn his strength isn't his you know his suitcase it's not physical strength it's his intellect it's his ability to be very crafty and come up with a plan that pretty much almost never fails but here's a, 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 a test that um, really pushes his limits and he's about to overanalyze it when mm-hmm. Rock comes through and just makes a call just based on instinct and I think that's very eye-opening for Kuhn because not everything can be solved with you know with your your ability to look at the granular details and come up with this big scheme sometimes it is just do or die um, mm-hmm. so I think this put Kuhn in a really interesting self-reflective situation yeah I like the fact that it's Rock who solves the the riddle but i think you see probably two different strengths in each character like you said kuhn is the one who's more analytic um tries to read every situation first before he makes a decision whereas rack is more of like the physical brute 
where like you said he just acts instinctually and like those are both good strengths to have when facing any sort of situation in this case with each of the tests that these um i guess participants have to go through um and i guess to an extent bomb is kind of Bomb is the cheerleader at this point because he's, <laughs> let's be honest, he's pretty useless. I think on purpose, though. I think the point is it's his journey. He's growing. He's discovering his powers. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he does have some special ability, some special gift um, when it comes to controlling Shin- Shinzu, right? Shinzu. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, we know so little about him, and he knows so little about himself and his abilities that, yeah, I think he's meant to be pretty useless and just be there to bring the team together. Yeah, so I guess in that sense, like, his strength would be almost like motivation, yeah. Right. Because again, he has the whole thing with Rachel and just the, the end goal of trying to climb the tower to, to see what's up there for him. Um, so, yeah, there's that dynamic between that whole trio, which we'll continue to see through the rest of this season. In episode four, The Green April, in the crown game, Kuhn and a sleepy contestant, Lauro, aka Jo Lauro, determine the best way to take the crown from the throne. The current wielder, a lizard girl named Anak, Bests most of her opponents with her weapon, Green April, part of the 13-month group of swords, including Black March, given to princesses of Jihad. Anak makes a bet with Bomb, where if his team wins the game, he can take her sword. But if his team loses, she kills him and steals his sword. I'd say that's a pretty even bet. Anak's team gets disqualified, and with Bomb's team up next, Kuhn uses his magical cloning bag to produce multiple fake crowns and seat Bomb on the throne. Rachel's ruthless team steps up to the challenge, determined to kill everyone. Yikes. Um, that was a great part of this episode when we when Lauro opened his mouth and out came Jotaro's voice. I was like, <laughs> yes, Daisuke Ono is in this show. It's a, a side character, but I don't care. It's fantastic. And anytime he's in, he's voice acting any character, I just like, I'm all for it. Um, and then with this episode in particular too, I thought it was interesting. I don't know, I was so confused by, what's the green girl's name again? Anak. Anak, um, which is funny because in Tagalog that means, yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> Anak, um, obviously they, they flashed that quick moment where you saw her, her weapon and it had that same red symbol as um, Bomb's weapon, but they didn't really make a big deal out of it. So I caught that and I was like, hmm, okay, well, we're going to see more of her, obviously. Like, she's going to play a big part in this. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, right then and there, it's it's clear that there's a connection between her weapon and his weapon. So that was interesting. Um, I don't know, I was kind of just like trying to feel her out. Like, I, at this point, you know, when we were watching the show, I'm trying to understand, like, who's going to play a bigger part and who's going to be a background character. Um, and I think this was very obvious that Anak is going to be a big part of, of this show. Yeah, they put so much emphasis on her. And, like, I, I was I was drawn into it, too, like, trying to figure out what her place was in everything. The other thing is that what was detracting about her is that she her hair kind of reminds me of uh, DW from Arthur. <laughs> or Dora uh, the Explorer. Or, yeah, Dora the Explorer. So it's... That choice of design was was kind of funny, but I digress. In episode 5, The Crown's Fate, Kuhn releases three other allies from his bag to assist against the mysterious new challengers. Bomb recognizes Rachel and protects her from an attack by a female masked player and receives blunt force head trauma. At the same time, an explosion of Shinsu erupts, engulfing Bomb in Hamon energy. The Crown game ends without a winner, and Bomb is admitted to the infirmary. Rachel visits him and asks Kuhn for a favor, while Relo, Roverhall, and Hansung discuss their roles as administrators in preventing any threats to the tower. 
because a naive, stupid ass like Bomb is most definitely a threat. In episode 6, Position Selection, Rachel asks Kuhn to lie to Bomb about her identity so that they don't become each other's burdens, which irritates Kuhn. Anak takes back the Black March per her bet with Bomb, but it refuses to listen to her. The fourth test assigns everyone one of five positions. Fisherman, Spear Bearer, Lighthouse Bearer, Scout, and Wave Controller. Bomb is assigned Wave Controller, allowing him to utilize Shinsu under contract. And suddenly this anime swerves into a high school setting where everyone takes classes and eats lunch together. Through Endorsi, a princess of Jihad, we learn that Anak is not a princess, but the real princess's daughter, out to avenge her mother's death by Jihad. In episode 7, Lunch and Tag, we learn that King Jihad is the first man to have climbed the tower, and that the princesses who are granted his power are forbidden from bearing children, so the power is not passed on. Obviously, this went over Anak's mother's head, and her offspring battles with Endorsi until they fall into a pit and become seriously injured. In the final placement test, all participants that failed their classes must play a game of tag, where each team must either steal a badge from the other team's it, or reach a designated exit. Funny how this show takes children's games and dials them up to 11. I thought it was so interesting. So this is when I started, like, my interest started to peak a little bit, because I'm Same. like, yeah. who is this King Jihad guy? But more importantly, why is it that he doesn't want the powers to be passed on, and why does he have, like, princesses? And just, like, the whole concept is, like, really strange and interesting. Like, obviously, there's probably, like, some weird fetish piece to it. Um, but, like, why specifically princesses with, like, immense power? Like, why give them that immense power if you don't want it to be passed on? And, like, mm-hmm. these rules that he's established for them. I don't know. There's something about that is, like, really intriguing. Because I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to learn more about that, um, you know, in the in the coming season, hopefully. Yeah, for me, it gave off, like, Attack on Titan vibes with, uh, like, the royal government and... Um, like Historia's whole arc and how that ties in with the whole Titan thing. So like very similar but what's, trajectories here. What's weird here is like I don't understand do the princesses play a role? I feel like they just are like chosen and then they just can do whatever the fuck they want. Like mm-hmm. they just are. That's like what... I don't know like they, they don't have it doesn't seem like they have an official set of duties as princess. They're just well respected. They have a shitload of power and they just do whatever the hell they want. So I'm like, so what is the point here? Like, I'm, I'm interested, interested to know, like, why are they so important and why is it so critical that these powers are not passed down? And that's another thing that I question about, like, the world building um, with this show is, like, why are the... If these are princesses of Jihad, why are they participating in this competition to climb the tower? Because if they're already, like, favored by King Jihad, wouldn't they sit with him, like, in his dominion, I guess? Yeah, and what else could they possibly want when, um, you know, they have, you know, all this respect and power and, and all this? But yeah, this, it's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, too bad we don't have 13 more episodes of the season to see that. But anyways, in episode 8, Kuhn's strategy... What is his strategy, you might ask? Distract the ranker named Quant long enough for Anak, his team's it, to cross a bridge and pass the test. Quant catches on, confronts Kuhn on the bridge, and fails to catch Anak, until Kuhn and Jolaro assist him in stealing her badge. Turns out Kuhn betrayed his own team so that Team Bam could pass instead in the next round. Endorsi declares herself it, and we learn about Serena's backstory as a thief watching a ranker kill her friends in cold blood. 
In the climax, Quant catches up to Endorsey and appears that she also intends to betray her team. Holy shit, can you trust anyone anymore? Yeah, the end test is really when we start to see everyone's true colors and intentions. Even then, we still don't know what everyone's true intentions are or why they want to climb the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is when you start to, to really get in that like political drama type show. Uh, and you're just questioning everything and, and you don't you feel like you can't trust anybody and like at any moment the the script will flip on you um so yeah things started to to get a little more interesting at this point um but it's also interesting to see how how complex the whole world is that they're building because you know Kuhn does all these things that make it appear like he's betraying his team but then in the grand grander scheme of things he's actually doing something that'll benefit everybody because then it'll help the next round of people I don't know it was just like mm-hmm. so intense this is a show sometimes I feel like where I would need to rewatch it just to make sure I, I can understand everything that's going on or read a synopsis because man this stuff is com- like super complex yeah there's just a lot of scheming going on but same for me I thought this was a turning point for the show because again with the first couple episodes it's a lot of world building and just a lot of you see like alliances form and just all these things but then this reminds you that this is a battle for one spot right to climb the tower gain whatever you wanted out of it and not everyone's gonna have that the same luxury of victory so here is where like you have to see where everyone's loyalties lie which is basically for their own self selfish needs yeah that's a good point i mean we're gonna go through this journey only to at the very end beg the question what then when there's only one who can actually make it to the top of the tower and you form these alliances you form these friendships you've gotten to know these characters what's going to happen then i think mm-hmm. that's the question that everybody is not asking everyone being the characters are not asking because they don't want to have to deal with that reality until it's there mm-hmm. um you know just make it through at this point make your friends whatever but when when the time comes you're going to be faced with this very very difficult decision or hurdle right because in the end it's going to be every man for himself in episode nine the one-horned ogre and dorsey intends to kill team bomb's two other fishermen to ensure she passes the test bomb and quant find ho holding rachel hostage at night point because he is indeed an hoe ho plans to kill her so that bomb loses motivation to climb the tower as tipped off by an anonymous note rachel tries to break free but ho accidentally stabs her in the back bomb retaliates with a high level shinsu technique to paralyze ho and revive Rachel. Ho, realizing he was set up and wrecked with guilt over watching his entire race murdered, commits seppuku before we can even care about his character. And Dorsey recovers Quant's badge through a semi-lewd scene and the team wins. I So at this point, I was like, like, is Rachel really worth it? Like, she seems like kind of a moron. That's literally what I wrote mm-hmm. in my notes. Is Rachel wor- really worth it? She seems like a moron, lol. Like, I just, like, what is her point at this? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my mindset at this point. Like, I just, I don't get it. Like, why is he so obsessed with her? He's clearly more capable than her. She's clearly, like, doesn't care about him. Um, like, wh- what what is there? Obviously, yeah. I was like, oh, maybe there's a whole backstory, you know, when she found him or whatever, like, that we're, we're still, you know, you know going to see in the, in the future. But, man, I was like, I don't fucking get it. Like, mm-hmm. I just do not get it. But then the payoff for that whole story is so good towards the end of the season, right? And we're going to get there in four episodes. But with episode 10, Beyond the Sadness, Rachel is now wheelchair-bound, Bomb invites the group to a small funeral for Ho, and Serena leaves the tower to find her own purpose, but not before giving our discount Bruce Lee, Shibisu, her knife, as a parting gift. 
Hansung discovers that one of his teachers is Lo Po Bia Ren, a McNugget-looking-ass member of the Royal Enforcement Division, tasked with retrieving the 13-month series swords and assassinating Anak, and Hansung gives him his blessing, that filthy snake. The next day, he informs everyone that their test results, informs everyone of their test results, and fails Rachel, but Kun asks for permission to take the administrator's test. Hansung says that only regulars can consult with the administrator, and what do you know, Bam is conveniently Bam. an irregular. Bam is conveniently <laughs> an irregular. Much to the surprise of his colleagues, he is taken to the administrator for a meeting. In episode 11, Underwater, Underwater Hunt Part 1, the administrator allows Rachel to participate in the next test, where she and Bam are placed in an underwater Shinsu ball and must be captured by the net dolphins and eaten by their queen to pass. The remaining participants must stop several enemy forces, goblins and pigs and some creepy bull creature, from interfering. Side note, what kind of sick fucks come up with these bizarre tests? Shibisu runs into the bull and is saved by Anak and Endorsi, who engage in a dick-slinging battle over who can defeat the bull. Endorsi goes head-to-head -head with the bull and is left nearly unconscious. Anak runs into Ren the McNugget, who stabs her through the chest and commands Endorsi to kill the imposter princess. Also, some side plot happens with Kun and the participants defending against the goblins because Paracule the Jolly Green Jafar started some shit. In episode 12, Underwater Hunt Part 2, Endorsi has a change of heart with her niece and would rather have lunch with Anak than kill her. Yuri arrives to take down the Ren the McNugget and ins insists on retrieving the 13-month sword herself. The whole goblin clusterfuck gets sorted out with Joel Laro's magical floating skills and Kun's scheming, and the enemy forces end up fighting each other. Also, Kun's doppelganger shows up for a hot second to taunt him about Maria. Hansung has coffee with Yuri's companions, Evan and Kurdan, who realize that this is all a setup. Bound and Rachel are literally in their own bubble reflecting on their lives and how much they've changed until Ren the McNugget sends the bull after them in his dying breath. Bond puts up a fight and the pair almost passes the test until Rachel stands her lion ass up from her wheelchair and pushes Bomb into the abyss. Okay. I fucking knew it. I called it so early on because I was like, look at her eyes. Her eyes look like snake eyes. Nobody else has that little like vertical snake slit going on in their eyes except mm. for her and like i know she's human or whatever but man i was like she something about her is like not sitting with me right she's a little bitch kun could he figured it out long ago and when she pushed him off that shit i was still surprised don't get me wrong but i was like she's a snake i knew she was a snake she's got snake <laughs> eyes this bitch like oh my god and let me tell you like this is when it picked up for me mm -hmm. i am hooked I want to see what happens next because fuck Rachel. <laughs> yeah. And this was the penultimate episode. So for the next one to be the last one, it's like, fuck, this is where we actually wanted to see what was going on. I know. And like, I, at first I got, I panicked because at the end of the episode, it just shows her pushing bomb and then he falls. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, is this the last episode of the season? Is that all? Are we, are we going to get this bad of a cliffhanger? Because as I mentioned before, I fucking hate cliffhangers. Like, I, I'm very impatient and I like to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. um, so luckily, we had another episode, which still leaves us on a major cliffhanger, as we'll talk about in a second. But I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, there's one more episode. I don't think I could handle waiting that long for another season if that was the end of this first season. Um, but really quick, it's interesting because kind of throughout the show, as Kuhn gets to know Bomb a little bit more, he sees himself in Bomb and wants to help him achieve what he couldn't in his own situation, which very much mirrors now what we're seeing, um, you know, with, uh, with this betrayal piece. I don't understand the whole backstory with, with Kuhn and 
what's her name Maria or whatever mm-hmm. but clearly there was some sort of betrayal there and then here as Kuhn was kind of he, he was suspicious of and, and he was worried about his suspicions were true because Rachel betrays bomb so blatantly um, and we learn that she was just a little lying bitch and, and just as a selfish little brat um, so yeah, I think it, it this will bring Bomb and Kuhn way closer together because now they'll have this this commonality, and Kuhn will be even more protective of Bomb than he was in the beginning. Yeah, at the same time though, like we'll discuss this later, but like Bomb still has an objective in climbing the tower for Rachel, right? Or is that not too clear after this last episode? I thought it was not too clear. Um... But here, let's talk about the last episode, because, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple of points that, that I think are, are really interesting. Yeah, so in episode 13, which is Tower of God, here we learn why Rachel is such a bitch. Turns out she was never chosen to climb the tower, but that it was bomb all along. This is why she had grown to resent him, and begs Raving Rabbit head-on that she will do anything to climb the tower. So he tells her that she must kill bomb. Lacking the courage to do it herself, she hoped that the course of the test would do the dirty work for her, and tried to subtly warn Bomb to keep his distance. But seeing no other way out, she willingly let herself get stabbed by Ho in order to get closer to Bomb, eventually getting the chance to Sparta push him. She lies to the participants about Bomb's disappearance, and they agree to help her climb the tower as a favor to Bomb. Except for Kuhn, who still thinks she's a bitch, and plans to shake up the tower system from within. Leroy Overhaul becomes disgusted with the tower scheming, so he quits his job to climb the tower and find the truth himself. Oh, and by the way, Bomb is still alive, and still naive, and still willing to climb the tower for this bitch. I think it's interesting because his tone is very different. When that redheaded chick finds him, and it's like, what are you going to do now? And he's like, I'm still climbing the tower. It's not so much like, I'm climbing the tower all optimistic. It's like, I'm climbing this bitch. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out what the fuck's going on here because now I'm pissed. Yeah. Like, and I don't blame him. And bitches be bitches. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that. Like, oh my god. Yeah, now th- that twist... Um, I don't know, something, like I said, I, I was suspicious of something, but for it to be so blatantly like Rachel's a scheming little, like, ho, ho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not ho, the character. Yeah, ho. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I was just like, okay, I'm hooked. Why, when's the next season? Let, let's make this happen. And uh, the one guy, um, the Rodero, he, I, I had a feeling that he was going to be set up to be someone that we don't know how to feel like about his character because they tried very hard in the beginning to make him like not likable basically make us feel like oh he's this like pompous guy some some person who made it to the top of tower now he's Mm -hmm. a ranker and he just seems really like you know snaky as well and he's voiced by overhaul yeah and he's voiced (laughs) by overhaul but then as the show goes on you realize like he actually does care about the test he cares about doing things the right way and even he's suspicious as you mentioned um, about what's going on and now I feel like I'm on the flip side now I'm kind of rooting for him like okay he wants to see what the hell's going on I'm down for this as well let's go yeah and one thing I just like about this just being 13 episodes it, it doesn't drag out any storylines like it, you jump into why or like who Rachel is why she's acting so mysteriously um, and like, I know other anime will typically drag that out as a whole arc, but here it just cuts to the chase um, in that sense. So, 
And I think, too, with this last, like, these last two episodes, to be honest, I was rooting for Kuhn to make it in the top of the tower. Like, if I were to pick one person, I'm like, Kuhn, because he had some shit go down, and, like, clearly he's been, he's become the black sheep of his family or whatever, and, and everybody knows about him in a bad light. I want him to make it. I want him to be successful. I feel like he's practical, and he can be kind of, like, schemy or conniving but i don't think in with with malicious intent Mm -hmm. i think it's like he's just not trusting of people because of what he's been through so throughout the whole show i was like i want him to be the one to reach it to the top of the tower like if i if i got to pick um but now i'm like it's either coon or bomb because now bomb is gonna do it as a slap to the face to rachel and i'm okay with that so if coon doesn't make it and bomb Mm -hmm. does which you know who knows what will happen um i'm fine with that because at least rachel won't get to the top of the tower so what are some of the things that you liked overall with the show? Um, Rock is yes. the best. Like, <laughs> he is fantastic. He is the comedic relief that we need throughout this very intense story. Um, and he's just awesome. I don't know. I love everything about him. And, you know, he, he's also someone I'm rooting to make it to the top of the tower. But uh, he's great. Um, I really like the twist at the end. I think that was very unexpected because anime can be very cliche sometimes. Even in this show, there were a lot of cliches that you can kind of call a mile away. But the Rachel one, it was just so in your face. So, like, just, like, it came at you mm-hmm. so hard because you want to believe in her because Bomb believes in, in her. And then it's like, nah, just kidding. She's a huge bitch and you shouldn't be believing in her. Like, it just mm-hmm. flipped the script so hard. Um, I think that was fantastic and very unique for at least what we've seen recently with anime. Uh, but on the flip side... Again, like, the show is slow to pick up. Um, it's doing a lot of world building while still leaving us, I think, a little bit too much in the dark. Where I'm still very, very confused. Um, and it's hard to be invested when you're that confused and you know so little to begin with. And Bomb, I think, in general, is just boring. As I mentioned before, I mm-hmm. think it's intentional. I think that it's, it's supposed to be that way. And I think now he'll become more interesting because now he has actual conflict versus just losing his memory and trying to find Rachel. Um, but it was just hard to really, again, that was another thing that made it difficult to get into the show because the main character isn't even that intriguing. Um, and that's always a a red flag for me when the main character is less exciting than all the side characters or, or, you know, secondary characters. Um, and Kuhn, I I just love Kuhn's, um, his analytical ability. Uh, I think he's going to be put to the test almost as much as Bomb is going to be throughout this, this show. Uh, and I'm, I'm all for that. I'm kind of interested to see how he overcomes that. What about you? What are your pros and cons? Yeah, I have very similar sentiments like you have. Um, even though I feel like the plot can delve into a lot of like cliches from anime and it's very run-of-the-mill, it does give off very strong like Hunger Games or even Harry Potter vibes. Harry Potter in the sense that Bomb is kind of like Harry Potter where like he's not familiar with the world around him and we kind of learned... Um, alongside him as an, as the audience um, and as we've mentioned throughout the synopsis there are a lot of uh, voice actors that we recognize in the series like you get Daisuke Ono who does Jotaro as Laro um, Kun is Bakugo's voice actor we have All Might as Rock and I forgot to mention um, Quant I think was present Mike so it's almost yes. like a, yeah. you have a My Hero reunion um, which I'm sure like they had ask them to sign on just to get that star power and really get the hype around the show which I think there was already hype but for them to have these renowned voice actors um, is like icing on the cake in that sense um, and again just 
13 episodes, and even though I was hoping that we'd get a lot more out of them, um, I think what the show does well is, like, it offers so much with so little in terms of, like, backstory. Because, like, we understand, like, we cannot right away understand, like, why Bomb wants to climb the tower. Or, like, in the last episode, we understand, like, Ra- Rachel's intentions, or true intentions, as much as a bitch she is. Yeah, while we don't accept them, we mm-hmm. understand them now. Yeah. Or, like, again, we have the, the short thing with Kuhn and how he was exiled from his family, or Anak. Again, like, they're very minuscule, like, maybe a couple scenes. For Rachel, obviously, it was, like, almost an entire episode. Um, and you could in- possibly dedicate an entire episode for, for each of their backstories. But, again, you, you're able to understand it from just from the get-go, from how they explore each character uh, throughout this first season. Um some themes that I thought were interesting and I don't think we really saw or see in any of the anime that we've watched recently. First one is about like how far you would go, right? And the the metaphor in that is like climbing the tower itself. Like how far would you go to, in Bomb's case, like save the one that you love, right? Um, on the opposite end though, we see like Rachel is kind of the antithesis of that, which is like how far would you go to get what you want? Because where Bomb has like this very virtuous thing because he wants to everything that he does is like in service to Rachel and even with uh, the other characters Ho and Serena you like question how far they went to like save their loved ones because we saw Ho he watched his family or his his race of people get killed in cold blood and with Serena she saw her friends get killed and they were helpless to do anything so again there's a theme in that of like did they go far enough in um, saving the people that they love but obviously like bomb is the central theme on this or the central character with that theme um, and again on the other end like Rachel does whatever she can to meet her goal of climbing the tower and you can see that with like her jealousy and her greed um, when it comes to bomb and doing whatever it takes to get the opportunity to to reach the tower and see what answers it has for her even if it meant killing the person that cared about her so much um, the other theme is like betrayal. I think that's a huge thing. There's so much scheming in here. Um, you see that again with Kuhn getting exiled from his family. Um, I think there was a point where his mother had told him like to trust no one. And then you have Endorsey's motivations with Anak. You can consider that a betrayal. Um, and then obviously the whole thing with Rachel, which there was a quote here where in the beginning, I think the first episode, she says, never betray anyone. But then she goes and does that towards the end of the series. So it's a big theme, and hope maybe that's going to continue playing. Because, again, the end game of this is where some point, at some point all players have to betray each other in, because there's only going to be one victor um, who can climb the tower and get what they want. So to your point, like I think Bomb and Kuhn are the front runners. But one thing I want to question is like who is the most justified in this sense to climb the tower some of the cons uh, yeah there's like a bunch of characters in here but bomb himself is not like very compelling enough and i think he's like too naive and we're expected to understand that he's special and he has this like great purpose but he's just not compelling like i don't know like like you said kun i think at this point has become a more compelling character and just his name like I'm so confused. Are we supposed to call him Bomb? Are we supposed to call him Yoru? Because I know, like, the voice actor's pronounced his name is Yoru. 
Um, another thing that was kind of weird is the lack of consistency. It's a fantasy like competition, similar to Hunger Games, but then you have this weird high school segment where they're all sitting in a cafeteria and making good conversation with each other. And I guess overall, like the plot is just very confusing. I think we would have to get like one more watch through just to understand what's going on and, and who's scheming with who. Um, and then it has the cliche of, again, with King Jihad and the princesses, there's probably some corruption theme going on, which we saw with like the church and devils and part-timer or with the royal government and Attack on Titan. So I think that's a trope that's been beaten through a lot in these animes, but we'll see where the show goes with that. And I don't know if you caught this, but the way that the show was animated seemed kind of funky. Yeah, it's a very unique animation style. Um, I don't know if that's... It probably is on purpose because it's such a, a unique anime in general based, because it's based off of a webcomic. Mm -hmm. uh, but it does have a very unique way of... Like, it has a unique look yeah. to it. Because like, it seemed like a lot of outlines of characters, like their lines were almost like uneven or sometimes it seemed unfinished. But I don't know if that's just this show's way of standing out against traditional anime. Yeah, I'm sure it was intentional. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the that was the point with the series is like to make it stand out from other anime that we've seen before. Not only because it's a like South Korean web from a South Korean webtoon, but again that it's just a non traditional like Japanese animation. So what would you rank Tower of God out of ten Shinsu orbs? Um, I would give it at this point. So looking holistically on this first season, I would give it probably a seven to a seven and a half Shinsu mm. Shinsu orbs. Um, I am very excited for the rest of it because I think at this point now we're gonna actually move into the tower. Like that's gonna be. I don't know if we've signed for a next season. I'm sure there's gonna be a next season. Um, but the next season is gonna be about the actual tower, and it's gonna be way more complex than what we saw in this first season. So I. I'm hopeful that my ranking will go up with as the show goes on, but at this point, that's where I'm landing, about seven, seven and a half. What about you? Yeah, same. I would give it seven and a half out of ten. Again, at first it looked like a run-of-the-mill anime, um, and there's like way too many characters for us to really focus our attention on, and they don't give enough justice to a lot of the characters. Like again, with Ho suddenly dying, like okay, that's fine, but I think with going into the next season with the whole Rachel and Bomb dynamic that's going to be like interesting territory to watch um, as the story progresses but I think overall looking at the series as a whole again this sets a nice standard for any sort of non-Japanese story to be translated into anime and hopefully that this opens a door not to say like I know there's other shows out there one of them like I guess the most prominent one being Avatar being like a non-standard considered anime even though it's really not but i think it, this is going to open the door for a lot more stories like that and hopefully crunchyroll or any other service will will help or allow us to explore those paths um, as the years go on and so that wraps up episode 14 of strictly anime with tower of god we'd like to thank you all for tuning in and we'd like to give a special thank you to super newt ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast and as always stay safe Stay healthy, stay weeb.